0: Hey, what's up, French Graham Bolton here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 384 of the Speak Aloud podcast. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Jeff Sanders, to talk all about podcasting. Now, Jeff really brings experience, expertise, and wise counsel as an absolute podcast pro. Jeff's show has been wildly successful, but you might actually be surprised to learn that when he launched eight and a half years ago, he had absolutely no audience whatsoever. He began with one purpose in mind, which was to expand upon the content that he was including on his blog. So through hard work and a whole lot of intentionality to create his brand soon, really made his podcast the number one thing that attracted clients, brought in speaking gigs, and kept people coming back time and time again during our conversation, Jeff and I are going to discuss the podcasting industry, the ROI on having your own show, why it's important to be yourself as well. We're also going to be talking about why a podcast is one of the best ways to network, market, and improve your speaking skills. Jeff gives a ton of insight on the do's and don'ts of podcasting, but also leans into the creative freedom of providing valuable content for your audience. Jeff is one of the best in the business when it comes to podcasting, and he's here to share why it has the power to transform your content. So whether you have a podcast or you're thinking about starting one there's going to be something in this episode for everyone so let's get right into it here's my conversation with jeff sanders talking all things podcasting enjoy hey what's up friends graham Baldwin here welcome back to the speaker lab podcast good to have you here with us today today we are joined by my buddy jeff sanders is going to be teaching us about all things podcasting. The guy is a podcasting legend. Can I call you a podcasting legend? Is that fair? That's a is big that title. I
1: like that title.
0: I mean, we're setting the bar high right out of the <laughs> gate here. In addition to podcasting, you're an author, you're a speaker. And I know that you've actually used some of the stuff from the Speaker Lab and some of the stuff that we teach to actually book some gigs. I know you're not speaking full-time necessarily, but you've done a few gigs here and there thanks to a uh, little, little thing that we do over here. So we're uh, glad that we can now return the favor, hopefully, and share some of your wisdom that we can learn about, uh, about all things podcasting. Now, you have been in the podcasting game for a while. And so why don't you kind of paint us a picture there of, of what you do in terms of podcasting, what you do in terms of speaking, and, and how they, they fit together.
1: Podcasting has become kind of my go-to activity, marketing tool, It is the thing that I have basically built my brand on and that was never the intention. So if we kind of backtrack about 10 years ago, I had a blog and I was doing some coaching on the side and my coaching client thought it would be a good idea if I did a podcast, like he had kind of plugged that idea in my head and I'd already done a podcast before that was terrible. But I thought, well, I could take this idea of launching a show to expand upon my blog, expand upon my content that I was creating and the way that I was helping people I was like, well, this could be something more. And I could leverage my theater background that I have and turn that into something that could be helpful for my side business at the time. And then I was laid off from my job about a year into the show that I launched, which was called the 5 a miracle. And. I, after being laid off, I realized this is my chance to take this whole thing full time. I'm going to be a full time coach slash podcaster slash blogger slash whatever all the slashes. I'll just do all the things that would then hopefully allow me to be a full time entrepreneur, which did happen after a lot of trial and error, a lot of talks with the wife of the budget, but ultimately it all worked out. And as part of that process, my podcast was the number one thing that attracted coaching clients. I got speaking gigs. I got two book deals over time. It was the thing people came back to again and again and said, you know, if I know anything about Jeff Sanders, I know his 5A Miracle Podcast. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing. And it has been the thing ever since. It's eight and a half years now I've done my show. And I do a weekly podcast every Monday morning. And it is the driver for what I do. And I love it. And it's fantastic. And I keep spending money on more gear. I've got microphones everywhere. I've got all kinds of a new vocal booth behind me, like all this stuff, because I just keep wanting to reinvest in this industry, in this, you know, strategy, because it's a great way to network, a great way to market, a great way to improve your speaking skills. And it's a, it's a phenomenal thing.
0: So when we think about it, almost like a, like a hub and spoke type of model, uh, and you mentioned like you do some speaking, you have done two different books, you've done a bunch of coaching and consulting.
1: It sounds like at least a large chunk of that has originated from doing the podcast. Is that fair? That's exactly what it is. And it's a shocking thing because yes, I have a website and I try to do SEO. And yes, I try some ads here and there, but right. of all the things I have tried the podcast is the thing. I'm not even trying to do it necessarily. It's just what people tend to find the easiest and then get connected to the most. Like It resonates with them more than other things because there is a really strong value in just an audio medium. And most right. podcasts are audio based and people feel like they know me, like we're friends. And then because of that, they trust me. They want to hire me. And there's a, such a strong connection there. And plus, they can't see me on stage everywhere. They can't you know, necessarily read a million books. because I'm not going to write a million books but I might be on the microphone every week. And so there's just more touch points and there's more personal connection. And I find there's so much value just right there.
0: Yeah, I'd echo that in my own experience that I started podcasting, I think in 2014. And just the the rapport, the connection that people can build with you just by hearing your voice week after week after week. And I've had a lot of people who reach out and feel like and say similar to what you described of, I feel like I know you, I feel like I can trust you, I feel like you're genuine. And it's hard for that to come across via a blog post or via written text or even via a book. So do you feel like, like other mediums have the kind of power that a podcast can have?
1: I think podcasting has a unique personal power that you just cannot get somewhere else. Now, I've heard before the way that podcasting can be just described is that someone will come for the content. You know, you speak on in you know, the certain topic X, they'll come for the content. But they only stick around for you, the host, because they like you. And okay. I have people who even before said, like, Jeff, I don't even care about your content anymore. I just like to touch in with you and know what you're doing and yeah. just to hear the updates like that's not why I podcast, but it's why they listen. And so it's interesting why somebody wants to connect in with the show, because we are kind of virtual friends, even if it is a one way conversation.
0: Now, again, I know you and I, we enjoy podcasting. We do a lot of interviews and other shows. Uh, we enjoy hosting our own podcast. We, we both listen to a lot of podcasts. But does doing a podcast, does that
1: make sense for everybody? No, because a lot of people launch really bad podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that lovingly, meaning that there are probably, what, a billion blogs in the world. Like even on a blog, on every website and for every reason in the world. But podcasting is, I I think it's something special. And I think that if you're going to do a show, you should do it well. Because a bad podcast backfires very quickly. It does not serve your brand. It does not serve your purpose. And actually will give people a reason not to like you. Like I prefer the method of saying, if you're going to do something that's going to help your brand, that's going to help your image, that's going to attract the right people to you, you want to give off your best skills and talents and make sure those are highlighted and your weaknesses are basically ignored or hidden. And I know for me that when I speak on a microphone, people listen. And when I do other things like, for example, my books don't sell nearly as well as my podcast gets listeners. Like I do better in certain mediums than in others. And so I want to leverage the thing that I'm good at, the thing that I enjoy and the thing that my, my audience tends to get the most value from. Right. So is podcasting for everyone? Probably not. And if you're going to do one, I think that you the bar isn't necessarily super high, but you can launch a good show with a little bit of effort and that can be enough to add that to your arsenal of touch points for your audience and that can serve you. But if you're going to take the super easy, minimalistic approach and not put the effort in. I think it's going to backfire.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to one other thing you you touched on and just kind of a misconception around podcasting, which is that people, people who say, well, I'm going to, I want to make money online or I want to make money as a, I want to be in, <laughs> have my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to make money. Therefore I'm going to start a podcast. It's like, Nope. Doesn't work like that. Like on the speaker lab here, we've never had an ad on my previous podcast. I used to host, I had an ad one time. Uh, (laughs) and like, that's literally the only dime that I ever made specifically from the podcast. Now, like you said, there's a lot of other ways that you can draw you can point to revenue has been generated because of the podcast. Like I can absolutely, there's a very, very clear ROI to it, but it's not specifically from the podcast. Can you speak a little to
1: that? Well, the kind of the irony there is that I launched my show because I wanted to grow my brand. I wanted to attract coaching clients. I wanted to do the thing you just mentioned. Over time, though, I got interest from brands who wanted to sponsor my show. So I did introduce ads in my show like four years into it. And so over the last four or five years, I've had ads on my podcast. And so I do make money directly from the show. And that's an avenue if your show gets enough listenership that's possible, but that's not the point. I didn't do that on purpose. Like that was never it. It's just a side income thing that's there and it's fine. But the purpose of the show is still to attract the kinds of people that I want to work with. And the real money is not made from the ads, unless you have one of the top podcasts in the world. And that's like, I'm talking like the top 20 shows in the world, unless you're there, You're not going to make the kind of business revenue that you want to make without attracting your clients directly as the medium. Like that's that's the reason you're doing this unless you have other purposes of doing it. But the money making thing really is the putting your brand out there with a positive spin that attracts your people. And then when that happens, the show pays for itself because you get what you wanted out of it.
0: Yep, totally. Now, to be devil's advocate here again, you and I have been both podcasting for nearly a decade, and their podcasts right. have been around. There are some OGs that have been around longer than we have, and so there's maybe people who are listening like, I'd love to do a podcast, but have I missed the boat? Have I missed the window? <laughs> you know, are there still opportunities to do a podcast? When you you go to a, any podcasting app, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of podcasts and, and options available. And, you know, here's the topic that I don't want to do a podcast on, but I know that there's a dozen other great shows out there. Is the landscape too full? Is, is the, have we, have we missed the boat on podcasting?
1: that's the same speech that everyone has on every industry forever. Like that's never going to be true. Like the idea that it's too full is just never going to be true. Now is there, was there a heyday when podcasting first kicked off and did you and I really hit the mark as far as the, the right launch time? Maybe, but that's not really the point. The point is, is that you're going to put your name and face and voice out into the world in a positive way that attracts your people and listeners of podcasts love new shows. They want to tune into new shows. They want to hear new voices. They want to hear new great interviews. Like, they don't want to hear the same podcast for the next 20 or 30 years. Like, they want to hear new stuff. We like yep. new TV shows every season. Like, we want new podcasts as well, especially from people that we might want to learn from and want to be able to grow with. And for me, like, I do view the podcast I listen to as friends of mine, and I want more friends. Like, it's fun to have more shows. So, you can be part of that conversation just do a good show and people will tune in. Do you, again, at this point, you know, you and I both have had uh, millions of downloads. We
0: have people that, that thousands of people all over the world that listen on a weekly basis. And so there's also kind of the potential limiting belief of, oh, you, you know, you need a big audience in order to have a a podcast. So what, what about if I don't have any audience, I don't have an email list and, and I, I barely have a rough idea of, of, uh, what I would want to do in terms of a podcast, What would you say to that that person listening who's going like, I don't do I need an audience in order to to be a podcaster?
1: You definitely don't need an audience. I mean, when I started my show, I had maybe 100 readers of my blog and that's 100 readers in a month. We're talking like there was nobody there. And yet my podcast gained an audience way faster than that. So like if you put a show out there, people will find it. So that kind of passive way to attract people will show up. But I think the bigger question you're asking there of of, do I have no audience is more of a question of like, what are you in business for? Like, what are your marketing strategies for your other avenues as well? The email list you want to grow, the speaking gigs you want to bring in. Like there are so many other ways to grow a business, make a name for yourself. Podcasting is just one of those arms. Now, will it be kind of the hub like it is for me? Maybe, maybe not. That's not necessarily the point, though. The point is, it is a viable option to put your voice in the world and attract people you want. So there are more aspects to a business than just a podcast, but you can launch a show with no one. And in fact, you're going to launch any business probably with no audience initially, but you start, you build and you grow over time. I think the long-term perspective here is the kicker because I've been podcasting once a week for eight and a half years, I've about 435 episodes of my show, like I didn't quit. The average podcaster quits very quickly because this is a lot of work. Like It looks easy just talking a microphone, but the amount of back-end work that was into it is just, it's more than you think. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to start and put your voice out there, you're committing to saying, "Like, I want my brand to succeed, so I'm going to give it a solid chance.
0: Yeah, and one thing you, may, you said there that I want to reiterate is everybody starts from zero. This is something we say yeah. a lot of times for, for speakers of going, ah, you know, I would love to speak as many times as they, that person or this person and be on those big stages. And like, yeah, there's a, that's where they are today, but there was a time where they started and they had none gigs. And then they did that very yes. first gig. And there's a time where you and I had zero downloads and then we had the first download. And so you, you can't get to millions of downloads or thousands of downloads or hundreds of downloads until you, you, you have that first download and you can't even get the first one until you actually get the ball rolling. And, and starting a podcast. So for you and I, we both enjoy podcasting. Again, there's a bunch of different topics that like we could potentially do podcasting mm-hmm. on you. How do you find the right balance between I want to do a podcast for a whole bunch of different topics or a whole bunch of different interests versus, you know, something more narrow. And then also how do we overlay that with ultimately if part of the goal and especially for this audience in starting a podcast would be to book speaking gigs, how mm-hmm. do we kind of blend you know, what we should be podcasting on in order for it to potentially lead to to bookings?
1: It's a great question. There's a lot to that. I think that when I first chose a topic for my show, like I called it the 5 a.m. miracle because I wanted to discuss ultimately personal growth productivity and healthy habits those are three kind of content areas I was interested in and I wanted those to be the driver for my content and so I gave myself the name of the show that was broad enough I could discuss those things and then as the years progressed or even actually pretty quickly I got really diverse really fast with my topics I yes there was always the through line of productivity as probably the main driver for what I was discussing so that was always there but I was allowing myself to talk to interesting people, uh, let myself discuss topics I wanted to because I was interested in those things. And then I allowed my audience to get to know me personally by sharing a lot of personal stories. All of that to say that as I'm podcasting and deciding upon various topics, I'm coming back to the point at the end of the episode for me of an action step that I give my audience. Some of those action steps are here's how you can work with me. Here's how or ways you can connect with me. Here's the things I offer for you. And. When your audience is tuning in, they're subscribing, they're engaged, and then you're allowing them the chance to get to know more about you and go to your website, join your email list, possibly hire you for a speaking gig or a coaching call. You're gonna give them the chance to dig in deeper into the content you've already laid out there. And I don't think being super niche is necessary. I think being personal is really good. I think being eclectic is helpful, but ultimately it's just being more of yourself as often as possible, because this is a personal medium And you want someone to hire you for you, not because you're trying to be this like performer on a microphone, which is I I hear a lot of fake podcasters. They're trying so hard to sound good. They sound ridiculous. And like we're just trying to be ourselves in a way that attracts people who like us for who we are.
0: Do you have any thoughts on on format and even length of show, meaning that There are, you know, you and I both do a lot of interview podcasts and really enjoy that format. Occasionally I'll do some solo episodes or something with like a a co-host type of vibe, even like length. I know a lot of times we try to keep ours to half hour or so, but there's also podcasts that are five, 10 minutes and some that are an hour, some that are several hours, right? What's your thoughts on that, on format length that, that shows should be?
1: There are no rules in podcasting. You can do whatever you want. Like anything that I will say, you can completely ignore that, do your own thing and still succeed. So the good news is there's a creative just openness to this. There are plenty of podcasts that have short episodes that are five minutes long. And every day is like a little five minute tidbit. There's some like Joe Rogan gets a lot of attention. His episodes are three or four hours long. Like you can do whatever you want. I'm kind of like you, my episodes are 30 to 40 minutes somewhere in that ballpark. With interviews, I get a little bit more leverage to go longer. If it's just me talking, it's a little bit shorter but in general, I'm just trying to make sure I give my audience enough time to discuss a topic well, and then I shut up. So I don't want to babble forever. I'm not interested in rambling. I mean, my show is about productivity, so I want to be efficient. And so to a certain degree, it's like, I want to get to my point and stop. And I think that at the end of the the episode, the question is, did you provide the value you wanted to your listener? And if you did, then the episode's over and you stop. If you want to continue and make the show longer, just make sure you're still delivering and you're entertaining value to allow someone to continue to engage. And if the show has lost its touch, lost that energy, then you need to shorten the episodes to make sure that whatever length that it is, it's good content the whole way through. That's yeah. the only real test because I've heard, you know, episodes are three hours long and listen to the entire thing. I have others that are 10 minutes long that I'm bored in the first two minutes. Like it's yeah. about the engagement and really providing that value there.
0: One of the other benefits I've found with interviews is it's an excuse to connect with people that maybe wouldn't ordinarily give you the time of day. Not because they're Absolutely. mean, not because they're jerks, but we're all busy, you know. Uh, you you're I'm busy. talking to you right now. I mean, look at this. Exactly. You know, like uh, and and so there are I find it as a reason to reach out to someone who again, they're busy, but just to say, hey, I would love to come, I'd love to have you on the show. Let's chat. Let's just happen to record it. We're probably going to talk a few minutes before the recording, a few minutes after the recording. And I've built some great relationships that way with again people that wouldn't otherwise normally be able to, to give me a, a ton of time or anything. Again, not because they're a bad person. I'm I'm the same way. There's some people, if they just reached out, hey, can I pick your brain or can I buy you coffee? I'm probably gonna say no. But if they said, Hey, can I do a podcast interview and probably ask you a lot of the similar questions? Like, there's a decent <laughs> chance I'll be interested, you know. Have you found that to be the case as well for you in terms of the benefits of networking?
1: Networking is probably one of the biggest benefits of podcasting. I've done over 200 interviews on my show, and most of those are unique one time interviews with these guests, so I have a few repeat guests like my wife, for example, is the most common guest on my podcast. Aside from her, like I'm talking to new people frequently. And those people are people that I definitely would not talk to otherwise. Like, the, I mean, my biggest, probably the biggest name guest I ever have is Deepak Chopra. Like, he's internationally known for a lot of things. There's a, such an opportunity to talk to amazing people and to network with them and have that relationship that you can then partner with them somewhere else. You could have a future business deal with them. Like, there is that chance for that to form. And podcasting is an awesome excuse to ask them any questions you want. Most people are very nice, very willing to talk to you for 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And that's a lot of time to really dig into something. And so if your goal is to meet awesome people, podcasting is really easy to make that ask. Oftentimes, and these people won't even question, like, how big is your show? How many listeners do you get? Oftentimes, they just feel honored to be on a podcast, and they're going to say yes to the invite. So you just ask, and then it happens.
0: Hey, friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent, you've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to the slash coach Again that is the speakerlab.com/coach. What have you found that works well for cadence? Most of the time most people do weekly shows, some people it's two or three times a week. Is there too often or not enough that you would recommend?
1: Daily shows always fail. <laughs> so don't do daily. That's the, the worst idea I've ever seen. Um, actually, there was a guy limit. that I met a, a guy I met at, a, at an engagement three years ago. And I just recently talked to him again. And I asked him, I was like, you told me you're going to of a daily podcast. How long did it go for? He said six weeks. And then I quit. <laughs> I'm like, I knew it because that's how these things go. So don't do daily. Um, the most common is weekly. People tend to like the format. That's my show has been for a long time. Most podcasts are weekly. If you do more than that, that's great. But you want to make sure that your audience wants to have more touch points from you. I mean, I've done experiments where I've done my show every, you know, twice a week or three times with the extra content. It can be helpful. It's not necessarily required. It's really the question, honestly, of time because podcasting takes a lot of time. And so if you have a good system, you can put out more content and your listeners want that, then you can go for it. I would do nothing less than once a month or else people will think you don't exist. And so there's kind of a balance you want to strike in there of how often you have the time to produce good content and connect with your audience consistently. And as long as you're consistent, they'll keep coming back again and again.
0: Well, and one thing you've referenced a couple of times too is the idea of experimenting, you know? So experimenting mm. with length, experimenting with uh, frequency, experimenting with format. And so like, you can just try all those things, you know? And, and oh, yeah. for, for you and for the audience, you may just try something and the audience is like, that was dumb, never do that again. <laughs> Other times you're like, that really worked, you know? It's just kind of, let's throw something against the wall and for whatever reason it stuck. And so how do we incorporate more of that? Or, hey, that, you know, that guest or that topic you just had, please talk about that more. Can you expand on that? Like, that's helpful, So, but sometimes you don't know until you're just again kind of experimenting so don't feel like you know okay i have to do a i'm going to do a 30 minute show once a week for the rest of my life like commit <laughs> to doing like a certain number of episodes there but if you decide like hey if something a little longer or something a little shorter or this type of cadence is better then it's okay to, to pivot to that and and uh, to adjust to that
1: and you also get a lot of great data from your podcast host so whichever one you choose there's a lot of them out there they're going to show you download data per episode you'll see right. how much engagement you have apple podcast actually has a really great uh, breakdown now to show you your listener as they're tuning in over the course of an episode so you'll see the drop off you know so you will start with you'll know, 400 listeners and by the end you've got 120 and you'll see when they disappear in the show so you can actually see in your content how people are engaging and what they like and what they don't. I know that for my ad segments, people will hear the ad, they drop off and they come back after the ads are over because they're skipping ahead. They're fast forwarding through the ads. And I can see that, which is so fascinating, but like you learn about your listener, you know what they want from the data and then you can pivot from that alone or survey them and ask them like, what do you guys like for that? I'm producing and then just do more of that stuff. Well, and so you mentioned, let's talk
0: about that for a second. You mentioned hosting, uh, podcasting equipment. You know, sometimes, again, it can be intimidating and daunting. And like, I'm not mm. a you know, super technical person. What are the must-haves? What are the nice-to-haves? What are the, you don't need this, don't even think about it? What kind of gear do we need?
1: The Blue Yeti is the most popular microphone that I hate the most. Do not buy the Blue Yeti for two reasons. One, everyone has it. But two, everyone uses it wrong. And it's not a good microphone for podcasting. It's a condenser microphone that picks up all this room noise, makes you sound like you're in a cave. So don't buy the Blue Yeti. A second piece of advice, you're looking for a basic USB dynamic microphone. That's the key. They write that down. USB dynamic microphone. If you get one of those, um, there's a number of them out there. Uh, The Samson Q2U is a good brand. The ATR 2100, another good one. These are less than $100. Yeah, they're less than hundred bucks. They sound good. They get the job done. You can start with that. And then if you want to down the road, you can invest in the fancier stuff that I have, but it's not required. I love my setup that I rebuilt during COVID and it was fun to rebuild a whole studio, but I was also seven years into my podcast when I yeah. did that and 10 million downloads into my show when that happened. So I didn't have that for years. I used very basic stuff and it worked really well for a long time until I wanted to upgrade. So, it's not required to invest in the gear. However, the big catch to this is audio quality does matter. So, if your show sounds like dirt, don't publish it. Like, get it fixed, hire someone if you have to, learn, watch some videos. There's tons of them online. Just make the audio quality decent before you put it out there. And because listeners will tune out, they will stop listening if your show is really difficult to hear. Other than that, if you hit like an average quality, they'll stick around if they like you. And then later on you can go to npr if you want to but that's not required how do you think about
0: editing do you do a ton of editing is it just kind of hey we hit record whatever comes out comes out <laughs> how do you think about that
1: editing is it dep- depends on the quality of let's say it's, a, it's an interview uh, you know content so you and i are chatting and the con- it goes pretty well back and forth and there's no real you know glitches there's no you know fire hydrant in the background there's no crazy loud noises. There's no I have a baby in my house right now, a little six week old. If she starts screaming in the background, the interview is going to be tough to publish without cutting that part out, right? The really extreme stuff you can cut out. But the rest of it, you I prefer the method of a general like authentic conversation where most of that stuff is there. The ums, the ahs, the filler words, the goofiness, the mistakes. I leave it all in unless it's really distracting. Because for the most part, like I said before, podcasting is personal. So people want to hear a real conversation between two real people. If it sounds overly polished, overly edited, like you're trying too hard, it better be like literally NPR NPR level quality of production or else it's going to come across as just a goofy, choppy, like not entertaining or enjoyable show. And so I prefer the method of saying, here's me, here's my guest, here's us chatting, isn't this great? And we move on. So minimize the editing because otherwise it's a time suck. You could really get like drained from a lot of energy there. That's just not necessary.
0: If someone's not, you know, there's people I would consider myself tech savvy, but I don't know anything about Mm. audio editing. And so even from the beginning, I hired someone and I just paid them probably someone on on Fiverr or an Upwork and just yeah. paid them per episode. Uh, do you still do, you, would you recommend someone do their own editing or hire someone? And again, when I say editing again, I would agree with what you just said. It wasn't anything of like, let's go through and cut every little thing and chop it up. <laughs> it was like, Add the bumper music, add the intro, add the outro, and make sure it all sounds good and is whatever needs to happen there. And then give me an MP3 file that we can do whatever with. Do you recommend someone does that themselves or hire someone? Or how should we think about that?
1: My general take on technology is I like the philosophy of do it yourself first and make the decision. Number one, am I good at this? Number two, can I do this quickly? Number three, can I hire someone else to do it better and faster and cheaper? And if you go through that kind of a, of a you know, Q&A with yourself, you can determine which aspects of this are good fit for you and which ones are not. You know, most of the clients I work with, they're going to do the hosting. They're the talking. You know, they have the microphone. They will actually do the podcast. That's their voice, their show. But then they'll ship off all the rest to somebody else because they're not going to touch any of the audio editing and they're not going to buy the software, or learn how to use it. I like, I mean, I'm a tech guy. I like to get into the details. So I still do the full thing for my show. Like I edit everything. I understand the process, but I also taught myself over years how to do that and get better at it. And if you're not in a place where that's important to you and there's a better use of your time to make more money and build your brand in a better way, then do those things instead and hire out someone else to handle everything else. You know, I love the idea of someone learning these things and, you know, learning how to fish and then doing it themselves, but really, podcasting can involve so many different aspects of technical work. If you get yourself caught in that trap of trying to learn every little bit, you're going to be a full time editor who gets paid nothing to tinker with your show all day. Uh, I've been there. I know that a trap, so just watch out. Give us your thoughts on show
0: notes worth doing. Is there any ROI to them or a waste of time?
1: Show notes used to be awesome and they've become less and less valuable over time. I think that you can skip them completely and it won't be it won't hurt you too bad unless you're going to leverage show notes for SEO with your website. I still use them. I still draw people back to my my website because it's the number one link in the show notes in the episode description. So if someone has a podcasting app and they go to the notes area, whatever app they're using, they're going to see the description that I entered. And I have a hyperlink right there that goes right back to my website for the show notes for the episode right there. So they'll get more detail on the episode. They'll get my subscribe links. They'll learn about me. It's still helpful to have, but it doesn't require this extensive amount of effort. I would argue in the beginning, make it as easy as possible. The bare bones, basic requirements in the show notes or none at all, and then add them later because it, it, it has to really be like prove to yourself. It's valuable. Prove to yourself. Your listeners are going there and, and you know, clicking on those links and gain value from it. Or else you're just kind of spending a lot of time tinkering, and it doesn't really matter.
0: Right. You mentioned hosting. Hosting is one of the a uh, big decision that kind of once you once you you pick it, then you probably aren't going to touch it again for a while. Uh, at least we haven't. Uh, who do you <laughs> use? Who do you recommend?
1: I was with Libsyn for three years. No, th- six years actually. Uh, Libsyn's an awesome brand, um, a, a company for hosting. I use them for six years and then I switch over to megaphone because I wanted to add dynamic ads to my show and dynamic ads are a big fancy feature that nobody should care about until you are farther along in podcasting. You switch from a traditional podcast host to one that offers dynamic ads and you want to leverage pre-roll ads, post-roll ads or mid-roll you know, dynamically inserted ads. You move to a company that offers that and it will blow your mind because of the customization potential you have. As a simple example from talking about if you watch Seinfeld on TV today, the ads you see are from today, not from the 80s and 90s. Correct. They are yep. ads from today. That's what we're doing here for podcasting. You have the chance to put in current today right now ads on your episodes no matter when they were published. So my episode from eight and a half years ago, if you listen to it right now, you're going to hear three mid-roll ads that are of me from last month when I recorded them because they're fresh and they're new. That's what I love about those things. So if you want the fancy stuff, go for it. Otherwise, don't touch it because it's going to cost you more money and confuse you like nothing else. It's it's a, a whole other world. Let's all put it right, that way. All right. I'm on my third uh, host as I started. Art 19 is an awesome one. If you care about dynamic ads. Otherwise, I would say stick with Libsyn or another similar one to that.
0: Fair enough. All right. One other question. If someone has a podcast, they've been doing it for a little while, or if someone's brand new, like part of the goal is to grow a podcast. I know this is something you and I've been talking about recently just for the speaker lab. So what have you found that works well for growing a podcast?
1: this right here being a guest on another great podcast that was the number one strategy i used when i first launched my show and i made it my mission to become a guest on every show i possibly could initially it was just any show small big i didn't care just get me on with more experience being interviewed and then over time i kind of raised the bar and said like please have some listeners like please have more listeners so i try to get onto shows that have some audience but ultimately if you can become a guest on a similar podcast that has a sizable audience you know that's an overlap you know their audience could be your audience you know for example i was a guest on a podcast related to productivity and personal growth it was like really in line with my content and my podcast download numbers almost doubled overnight wow. because i was on the right show and this was five years ago now and so i've used that strategy ever since to really get myself in front of the right people because. Podcast listeners subscribe to lots of podcasts, mm-hmm. and the best place to be advertised to podcast listeners are other shows. And so, if you can get yourself out there, you will gain a bigger audience. Yes, you can buy uh, Facebook ads, you can buy Google ads, you can like, buy a billboard if you want to. Those waste money most of the time. Facebook ads are like probably the second best, uh, you know, achieving goal here, but they just they're not as good. When you mm-hmm. when your voice is out there on another show, that's when you attract your people,
0: right. So that also, that leads us into kind of our, our wrap up here. Do you find that that what works well for kind of a conclusion for a wrap up of, especially now you're doing a, a interview on someone else's show, our show is the best call to action to send them back to your site, to send them to the podcast, to send them to some other resource that you have. What's like the, how do you think about that? And also go ahead and give us your, your, your pitch of where we can find <laughs> <My> out <pitch. laughs>
1: more about you. Uh, there's two ways to answer that question. The first would be something that you're currently working on if it's going to be relevant because most this is the key to this most downloads for any episode are gonna happen in the first 30 days but going live so if I give a call to action right now it should be relevant to what I'm doing the next 30 days because if someone hears this episode three years from now there's a pretty good chance that it's gonna be a, a small number of people that tune in and so I'm less interested in attracting them I'm much more interested in the current listeners now and so the pitch that I would give is whatever I'm doing now So if I care about my email list, I could pitch that. My general pitch is just go subscribe to my podcast. That's the number one thing that I say, because that's what I want a podcast listener to do. And there's a pretty good chance they're already on their phone and they already have their app available. So it's an easy thing to just say, let me add Jeff's show right now, as opposed to saying, go do something that you can't really do. That's kind of awkward because a lot of listeners are doing chores. They're out for a run. They're driving their car to work. They can't just pull over and like pull up a complicated website to go somewhere. Like it's got to be a simple call to action. that They're going to remember. And so usually just the name of my show, just go find it. The 5 a miracle. It exists. Go there, get it. That's really all it takes because that's going to attract the most people.
0: Awesome. Well, man, we appreciate the time. Again, if people want to find out more about you, definitely would encourage uh, people to check out your show. And then also you do some podcast hosting or podcast coaching, rather. So if people want yes. to talk to you on that, if, if what we've heard today, people are like, I, I'm interested. I want to start a podcast. No clue. I've sent people your way. Uh, I know that you're great at this. So where, where can people find out more about that or connect with you?
1: The best thing to do is to email me directly, jeff at com. Like can just go to the website also, but the, the email is the best place because I respond to email every 24 hours or less because I love my email. So uh, hit me up there.
0: <laughs> Spoken like a true productivity guy. Normally people are <laughs> like, avoid email. You love it. so I love it. I'm all about it. Jeff, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And Before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it, helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. we got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.